the Missional Life Podcast, inspiring kingdom-minded believers around the world to live the mission of God in their lives. All right, welcome back to the Missional Life Podcast. Today we have Danny Ray on the show. Danny is a world-renowned illusionist who was recently featured on the TV show Penn & Teller. He's also a pastor, has his MDiv from Fuller Theological Seminary, and has written a book called No, I Can't Make Your Wife Disappear, A Magician's Guide to a Magical Marriage. Danny, welcome to the show. Welcome. Thank you, Dan and Amanda. It's great to be on the show. Looking forward to the conversation. Absolutely. So as well as being an author, you've had an incredible occupational path. Uh, there's there's not a lot of pastors who have an MDiv and pivot towards a successful career as a magician. So tell us a bit more about that journey. Yeah, so I did youth ministry in the local church for a decade, five as, you know, volunteer and then five as a youth pastor. And about eight years into that journey, I was really praying through what would it look like to combine my, my gift of like sleight of hand and this calling to preach the word. And I was reading through Romans eleven twenty nine, and it says God's gifts and his calling are irrevocable. And it was like the first time I saw those two inextricable from one another. And so it was at that point that I knew that it didn't have to be full time, but I needed to figure out how do I blend these two together and not keep them in separate worlds. Wow. Awesome. So you mentioned that your, your wife kind of is involved as you, as you've transitioned from ministry into this, how has that affected your marriage and how has she been kind of part of this journey as well? Yeah. So when we launched in 2003, our, our kids were two and four. We, we now have three kids, but at that time, you know, they were two and four and, you know, we call those the insane years. Um, and we were trying to figure out how do we navigate the family? How do I travel that, you know, that first year we did 76 shows and next year was 112. And then, uh, you know, pre pandemic in 2019, we did 173 or 171 shows so, I mean, it, it's been a really busy season and we're thankful for that and, you know, great opportunities to, to share God's love with people. But those early years, we're really trying to navigate how do we work together? How do we, you know, invest in each other, invest in the family well? How do we make sure that when I'm home, I'm home and not just, you know, working on other stuff for the show or for an event? And so we really had to learn that balance. And so she took on the business side of it of really booking things and managing my schedule. And then I would work on, you know, developing the messages and, you know, cause it's both, you know, the, the speaking side of it has always been a component, you know, so it's, you know, a magic with a message. And, you know, so sometimes they're bringing me in as a keynote or for a weekend speaker and other times just for a show. Yeah. Yeah. Can you dig a little bit deeper into that? Um, because for a lot of our listeners, they're trying to do a ministry or trying to do a business yeah. and they want to make sure they keep first things first. And we know that priority when priorities get out of alignment, then, you know, our lives get out of alignment. And so what were some of those practical things that you guys put into your, uh, into your marriage uh, that when you are, when you're home, you're home. Yeah. So a couple things that way is one is we had somebody go on the road with me as uh, from day one, 
mainly for accountability, also to run the camera, but that allowed our priorities to stay straight. You know, it's easy on the road to get distracted by other things and having somebody keep you accountable and keep you focused was crucial for the success and the health of our marriage and our ministry. And as far as prioritizing at home, what we decided was I would leave at the last possible second I could and come home the last possible second I could, you know, or sorry, the first possible. So, so basically when, you know, when I travel, I'm not out, you know, just exploring the city, just out there. Oh, it's, you know, um, New York, I'm going to spend an extra couple of days. No, I'm always leaving the last moment and then coming home the first moment. So that allowed all of my kids now know that. And even though I, you know, I've been gone a lot of times, they know I've tried to prioritize them and my wife knows that. So that's the, the first thing is we had to, you know, schedule that in. And then with them being at school, we just decided we're only going to do like work stuff while they're at school. So then when they're home, we're both actively home with them. And the way my schedule has worked for the most part is I fly out like on a Friday morning and then fly home on a Sunday morning, or if it's just a one day event, you know, fly out Friday, home Saturday. So during the, the weekdays, for the most part, I'm here maybe once every four to six weeks, I'm, I'm gone on a weekday or there's a weekday event. So we've really tried to prioritize that time you know, while they're at school, we're working. And when they're home, we're home. Mm. So yeah, there's other strategies we've, we've tried to implement. And one of them's, you know, bringing the kids alongside to help with the work, you know, is to teach them a work ethic and what it looks like to be on the road. And so they, they learned and they understood, you know, when I say I'm coming home the first possible second, that usually means I'm going to bed at midnight, one o'clock, then getting up at three or four to get to the airport. And they understand like when I get home, I might be tired, but at least I'm present. And that became really important in our marriage. Wow. Love that. Wow. So going back to, you know, moving from, you know, a, um, the career as a youth pastor, you know, which was more comfortable perhaps, um, at least in the beginning, but, you know, describing a new venture, like skating on a frozen lake that you can't wait to try it, but you hope that the ice holds. So how did you and your wife prepare to step out when you began this? How did you prepare yourselves to make that step onto the frozen lake? And then how did you, um, I know you shared some stuff just now on executing that, but could you just share more of that, how you guys prepared and then took that step? I just want to piggyback on that. Combine that with what was that point where you realized, wow, like how would, how did God speak to your heart about, okay, like I've been doing magic and I have this gift and anointing and doing it, but now I'm supposed to do more with it. What what was that process like that in uh, addition to what she asked? Yeah, so the the preparing was, it was a two-year process. So we we thought wise counsel was like our number one thing. After reading that Romans 11, 29 passage of God's gifts and his calling are irrevocable, it wasn't like the next day I could just go out there and do it. And I wanted to confirm that in the community of both people that I know and love and trust. Um, so the elders, the church being the final one that we went to, um, but different um, leaders, other youth pastors, my lead pastor. And then we went to a conference, National Youth Workers, 
They have counselors there. I met with one of their counselors. There was a, a pastor that I didn't know him at all. I went to, went to him. And so I tried to get a variety of voices and all of them were saying, I don't know why you wouldn't at least try this, you know? And so then you, you go, okay, we, we have this opportunity now to try it. Oh, there's a, there's an interesting moment in this story where uh, kind of a confirmation. I was, so let me back up to when I'm 18 for a moment. I became a believer at, at 17 years old. I was like willing to give it all up, you know, uh, because it's like, you know, the magic side of it, you know, there's biblical things in there going like magicians are going to hell. I'm like, oh, that's not good. You know, <laughs> and so uh, thankfully I had wise counsel at that time say, you know, that they were calling on the dead and calling up spirits and, you know, that I'm like, I, I'm doing card tricks over here. And they're like, no, it's very different what's going on in the Old and New Testament. And so thankfully kept it up. But at 18 years old, I met a magician, a world-renowned magician um, came to one of my shows and I talked to him afterwards. He's like, look, I'm going to Las Vegas then New York, then over to Europe on tour. I want you to go with me. I'll train you, equip you, and help you to be, you know, ready to do this as like a, a full-time profession. And I was so excited about this, but 17 years old when I gave my life to Christ, now everything gets filtered through, through Christ. And so I prayed about this and he was leaving in two weeks. So I had about two weeks to make a decision. And I prayed about it and really felt like, God was just saying, this isn't what I want you to do. This isn't the right time. And, and, you know, I, you know, kept praying about it, but just felt the same thing. And so I called this guy up and said, sorry, you know, it's not going to work out. And so fast forward, I'm, you know, do I get involved in youth ministry, meet my wife. Uh, you know, we start dating freshman year of college and then uh, I'm, 28 years old. I'm at the gym on a stair mat. Uh, we'll say a machine. That sounds way better than stairmaster. Uh, I'm on a machine, right? And so there's a magazine that's on this machine that I haven't, it, it wasn't like a magazine that I read or I didn't bring it with me. It's just, you know, sitting up there. I think it was Time Magazine, but it might've been like News Weekly, something like that. And I'm flipping through and there's this article of this magician that I had met when I was 18 years old and he'd offered to take me on the road. And he was up for all of these fraudulent charges for taking college students around the world. And he would use their visas or their, you know, their credit cards and max out their credit card on the road. Once they couldn't like supply, you know, had any supplies, they, he would leave them stranded. And so you know, now people were pressing charges and he was up for all these fraudulent charges and a hundred percent that would have been me had I not listened to God's voice. And that was like one of those like confirmations of like, this is the right time. And so we, um, and then during that two years, I think about a year before that we launched my, my wife, um, her grandmother had passed away and she had left us with some money that would allow us to basically have a little bit of a startup and be able to, uh, you know, to make it for about six months before, you know, we, we would have to start bringing in, you know, our own um, finances from the events that were coming in. And so in September with National Youth Workers, they have a conference in three different cities. We'd perform for 
their staff. And with their staff, they invited us to do a late night at their conferences. And so we spent probably $10,000 getting to these conferences, setting up a booth, telling other people about what we were doing. And we had no idea how much to charge. Like, I think we were saying like between 150, 200 bucks. And little did I know like, well, that's not gonna cover flight. That's not gonna cover anything. You know, <laughs> I just, we didn't know. And so quickly, you know, we started to develop a pricing structure, all those things. But within six months, we had run out of money, you know, that her grandmother had left us. And by the end of that six months, we had had enough shows to pay for our bills. And so in 2000, December, 2003, we paid our bills for the first time out of events that were coming in. And we've been afloat ever since, but it's been up and down through some crazy seasons. I love that. Listeners, there was so much gold in there, but a couple things I wanna highlight is the first thing is just listening to the spirit and being guided mm -hmm. by the spirit because the spirit will lead you and he will keep us out of so many messes. He's done that in our lives and, you know, in your life. And we have to heed that voice in our heart. And I love how you kind of look back and, you know, you look back at that situation on your, in your life and that story and it, that, that news article reminded you. And so many times what God wants to do in our lives and move us into is he leaves these, you know, these pieces along the way, you know, we can look back and we can see those sort of directional cues along the way. And so many times when we're wanting to move forward, we, we have to look back first and see what God has already done, what he's blessed, what people have spoken into our lives and, uh, and then move forward into that. I love how you moved into that. Mm -hmm. So um, moving forward, you're, so you're an illusionist who has written a marriage book. Now, how did you become inspired to write? No, I can't make your wife disappear. So tell us how that came into your thought process. Yeah, so it starts way back, you know, in, in our first year of the marriage when I was doing youth ministry. When you do youth ministry, it's really family ministry. And so we had numerous parents, you know, asking both about how to navigate the situations with their teenagers, but also how to navigate their marriage. And even though, you know, we were young at the time trying to figure it out ourselves, we kept having people come to us and ask about their, their marriages. And we were at that time, and, and still we go to marriage conferences. We've, I've heard a lot of marriage speakers. We've read a lot of marriage books, but we were reading all this stuff, going to this stuff and trying to navigate it. And it, it, with each book or with each conference, we'd pick up another tool or another strategy or another way to communicate more effectively. And so we started to just kind of store these over the years. And as my wife and I were approaching our 25th anniversary, we started to think through what would it look like to give back to other marriages in, in the form of a book. And so we thought it would be fun to do that on, on the side with you know, both magic and biblical principles. So we took 18 like magic principles and 18 biblical principles and found where those overlapped. And that's, so for example, the chapter one's on misdirection. And anybody knows, you know, about magic, they know, you know, magicians use misdirection where they'll get you to look in. They, most people think they're trying to get you to look in the wrong place, but they're actually trying to get you to look in the right place. 
so that you could experience astonishment and wonder in in that moment you're amazed. And the same is true in our marriages. When we focus on the right thing at the right time, we're going to experience the, the plan that God has for our marriages and the purpose that he has. And that's going to bring the, the joy that he's designed in the context of our marriage. Another one's, you know, and I think chapter three, we talk about mind reading. And, you know, you always hear, well, you can't read my spouse's mind. But we actually show you what are the principles that a magician or a mind reader uses to read somebody's mind. And it's based on information as they have to get information in a, a secret way so that they could appear to read somebody's mind. And the, the beauty of what we have in our marriages is we don't need to do it in a secret way. They share information with us all the time. So how can we use that information to, to bless them, to encourage them? So one of the examples we give is if I was to, uh, if I'm on my way home from work and my wife just says like, I'm exhausted, you know, and I know when I get home, I could, you know, maybe take over with the kids or maybe say, hey, can I make dinner tonight or do something that would encourage her because I know already she's told me she's exhausted. These are things that she loves and I could do something that she loves to encourage her to bless her and to take care of her. So having kind of like some predetermined like actions are, are really good. You hear, you hear the need and you have a couple of different things that you can step into. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. So I, like, I know for a fact, my wife loves Thai food. I know that she loves a, a, a good bath, good music. Um, you know, so if she's had a rough day and I prepare her bath, um, pick up Thai food for, put some music on and just go, hey, why don't you just relax for a little bit and have some time on your own? I know because, you know, we've been together long enough. She's told me these things over the years um, that that would help her on a day where she's feeling exhausted or drained. And it will appear as if I'm reading her mind. But in reality, she's told me these things over the years. And so when she tells me she's exhausted or she's drained or she, she needs her cup filled up, I know there's things I can do that would encourage her and bless her. Yeah. Yeah. That's just so good. You know, so what did you learn about yourself and your career in writing about your marriage? Yeah. Anytime you have to go back and, you know, when you're writing a book, you have to go back and go, what are the things that we've done right? What are the things that we've done wrong? What are things that we've helped other people with? And we've seen, you know, um, tools or strategies that we've helped them with and uh, they've seen success in that. And so we had to go back and just go like, what have we really learned? What, what really applies to a, a lot of marriages, not just our own? And so, yeah, it was definitely a learning process. And really those principles uh, of the, the magic principles and the biblical principles weren't things I necessarily um, would have been able to do off the top of my head. I really had to kind of search deep and search the scriptures and go, where's their overlap in these things? And so uh, thankfully God, you know, began to just reveal different things in that season about um, how he's designed me and opened up uh, my eyes to things that I do um, naturally over time with sleight of hand and um, how those can apply to, to creating a great marriage. Can you give us an example of maybe a trick that you do? Uh, can you tell us about a, a trick that you do and then kind of maybe a spiritual principle that you extract from that trick? 
Yeah, I, I could show you one, but I, I think it's only audio. So uh, <laughs> uh, maybe afterwards I'll, uh, I'll, I'll do one for you and we could talk about that. But so there's so many different ways that I, I try to take uh, a, a message. Oh, I'll give you one that maybe everybody could just go check out on their own is the, the one I did on Penn and Teller. Okay. Ultimately, I'm playing Russian roulette with my eyeball. Um, not not my brightest idea, but these are the things that came into my hand, head. And over the course of two years, I, I designed that piece. And what you don't see on Penn and Teller is the message component of that is um, after. So what happens is um, there's three, there's four metal plates. If you haven't seen it, there's four metal plates and they go into a device and that device has a giant hook that's designed to gouge out an eyeball in these four metal plates. Three of them have holes in it. One, uh, one has a solid shield. The solid shield will stop the hook from gouging out my eyeball. Now, what happens is on, on Penn and Teller was Allison. Uh, she's the host, but Allison, she shuffles up the, the metal plates and um, she um, tells me which one to put in and, uh, you know, two of them, you know, go through um, the, the hook goes through the, the plate. And if my eyeball was up there, it wouldn't be a good day. But on the last one, I tell her, look, you get to make the final choice, whichever one you choose, I will put into the device. I will put my eyeball on the line. If you choose wrong, I will lose my eyeball. If you choose right, I'll, I'll keep my eyeball. And so she chooses, I put in, obviously I have two eyes. You're looking at them right now. <laughs> so, um, so at the end of that piece though, is where I give the message is I say today, uh, today, you know, you, you chose correctly, but this is what God does for us every day. And in Deuteronomy 30, he tells us that he lays before us blessings and curses, life and death. And then he encourages us, now choose life that you may live. And every day we have opportunities to choose life, to choose blessing. But he's not going to force us to do these things. It's the, the plan that he has for us, but we have to choose to live in to the plan and follow the purpose that he has for us every day. And so on a practical way, one of the things that I do every day when I'm journaling or virtually every day, I should say, there's days I miss, but I'll, I'll say, God, what do you want me to do today? And I really try to listen to his voice as I read through the scriptures. And I think through the things that I have that day. So even like simple things like pick up the groceries. Okay. I write that down, but I really try to like, listen to his voice. Like call this person. Okay. I'm not sure where I'm supposed to call that person, but if something pops into my head um, that I, I feel like, okay, that's, that's a good thing to do. You know, like I I'll um, write that down and try to, you know, work my way through those things in terms of what to do for that particular day. Yeah. Love that being spirit led mm -hmm. because that's how we're supposed to live every day. Wow. Mm -hmm. So on a, on a kind of a fun note, but yeah. What is, what's like the worst experience you've ever had doing a trick? Like, what did it, like, where it just failed miserably? Tell us about that. Oh my, <laughs> uh, I have a number of those, but um, yeah. So one where, so I told you about national youth workers. We, the first year we were able to do a late night, which has about 150 people. 
But the next year they asked us to do the main stage and you get to perform for about, you know, 5,000 people in each city. They do it in three different cities. And so um, I did that for a number of years, but the last year that they invited me there, uh, you know, for whatever reason in my head, I was like, you know what, I'm not going to bring up my table. I'm, it's just going to be me and the audience. And so I bring a couple people up. I do a couple tricks with them. And then I'm like, all right, I'm going to have you guys sit down. I have one more. I do the last piece. And I look at my clock on stage and I still have three minutes left. I'm like, well, I don't want to waste this time. You know, it's a real short amount of time I had. I'm like, okay, I need to do something. Well, I go to my back pocket. I'm like, okay, I think I have this. I'm like, yeah, let me do this one. As soon as I bring it out, I realize one, it's not set up. So I have three cameras on me. I'm trying to set it up, but they're trying to like get behind me. I'm trying to move away from them. And so it's just bad. But then I realize I don't have a table and I absolutely need a table for this piece. And so then I'm like, well, I guess I'll do it on the ground. But if you've ever been on these big stages, the stages are just dirty on the ground and they're really hard to do any type of card work because you can't fan out the cards. So I get on the ground and then, yeah, it, the trick didn't work out and I don't have any time left. My time runs out, the trick didn't work. And I was just like, okay, well, um, I'll be around, see ya and walked off the stage. I walked about two miles to the local to some coffee shop and just put my head in a cup of coffee. I'm just like, ah, you know, but those things happen. Um, yeah. Another time I ran out of time, but I was still in a straight jacket and the leader said, I don't care what happens. He was talking to the whole group, not just me. Do not go over time. And I'm literally trying to get out of a straight jacket looking like I'm out of time. And so eventually I just walked off stage in a straight jacket still. <laughs> so yeah, there's things that happen, but God's good. And thankfully those are few and far in between, but they do happen. So when that does happen, how do you, how do you personally move forward? You know, kind of emotionally, personally, like emotion and kind of occupationally, because I know that that's can kind of get in your head. And for a lot of listeners, for a lot of people, when they make a mistake, they can just let it, they can just kind of keep on processing and it can keep them from stepping out. Right. So how do you personally move past failure? I cry a lot. (laughs) So I put my head in a cup of coffee. It's really like, I, I being honest with you, like I struggle with that. It doesn't happen a lot, but when I like, on stage fail like it's like ah um you know sometimes there's just no getting out of that but you know so it goes back to like i'll go back to you know rehearsing developing in fact it happened um you know this weekend and it wasn't due to me it was more tech stuff but i was like oh you know like there's nothing i could do to get out of this i'm going to have to uh, you know, work with what I have. And so in terms of like failure is, is when I fail and it happens is I just go back to God has brought me here for such a time as this. I know that even in my failures, he could use it. There's times where I'll I'll address it. When I was doing underwater escapes, there was one time 
I had performed in San Diego the night before. Um, my daughter saw this underwater escape for the first time. The next night I'm in New York. And when I went underwater for underwater escape, like you have to be completely focused. And all I could think about was my daughter. I'm like, you know, she was freaking out and I'm underwater thinking about these things. And I realized I haven't got out of the first handcuff yet. And the only way to have communication with the outside world for this particular escape was to take a handcuff and hit it against the inside of the tank uh, and hope that my guy hears and unlocks things and gets me out. Well, I realized like, I've been in my head for way too long. I start to let out my air. I haven't got out of the first handcuff. And so I literally just with both hands start hitting, you know, the inside of the tank. Uh, my guy on the outside can't hear me. So I'm trying to get out of the first handcuff. I've let out more air. I finally get it off. I'm click, you know, hitting it, clicking it on the inside. He eventually hears and gets me out. I'm completely out of breath thought I was going to drown. And he's like, we can't do this. I'm like, I need to do it. Well, long story short is I ended up trying two more times, could not do it. And he pulled me out. He's like, you need to be done. So I dried off, came back to the audience and just said, look, sometimes we're going to fail. And tonight I failed. Like I didn't get out. You know, I, uh, this is, you know, my big escape, my big finale and, you know, didn't get out. But in, in life, sometimes we fail, but God has a purpose in that, in our messiness, in our failures, in our weakness. He's still strong. He's still good. He still sustains. He still moves us forward. And so I finished the show like that, you know, and lights go down. I go to the back of the room, which I really prefer not to when I mess up. But I always feel like God's compelling me to, you know what, you need to meet with people and not try to just escape, um, literally, like escape. So I, I'm standing at the back of the room and literally, like person after person came up to me like, you really, you know, like that message just really hit home for me. And thank you so much. Like, I'm so glad you didn't get out. And I was just like, God, you know, like you had something completely else in store. So I think sometimes we get to see that God has something else in store during uh, or when we make a mistake or when we fail. Um, and that was one of those times where I got to see that people really needed to hear that sometimes things just don't work out, but God still has a plan. And other times we don't see that, but we have to trust that, that God has a plan, even in our, our weakness and in our mistakes, our failures. Amazing. Wow. That's so good. You know, and with that, he can certainly work through when we mess up in our marriages, right? <laughs> I'm thankful. Not, not, yeah. Um, I just, I love the quote, you know, when I was looking on the website for um, your book, there's a quote from the publisher that says, we see impossible situations every day, but God has never looked at any marriage and thought that he'd finally found one that is impossible to fix. That really just stood out to me um, regarding your book. And, you know, just going back to that, um, just talking about having effective communication and the other topics discussed in your book, you know, can you delve more into that? Like, you know, when we do mess up or feel like we failed in our marriage, how do we move forward in that? Yeah, so 
the the reality with any marriage is that there's going to be times where you make mistakes for you're spending more time with this person than most people in your life so there's going to be you know uh, more mistakes more failures and we need to immerse ourselves in god's word and understand how much he has forgiven us how much grace he has given us and we learn to do that for one another. And I'm not talking about like, uh, so I hope people know, like, I'm not talking about an abusive relationship. I'm not talking about things where you might need to look at getting out of that relationship. I'm talking about when we say things that might be hurtful, or maybe we're feeling rejected, and we don't know how to communicate that effectively. Um, and so we we shut down and we go silent. You know, there's all kinds of different things in terms of communication that that we could fail in or make mistakes. I know, like I can't, you know, back out of the driveway without my wife being like, "Hey, there's a fire hydrant behind, babe." I know, you know, <laughs> but uh, but we learn to go. Okay, even though she might get on my driving or whatever, I still need to give forgiveness and grace. And then talk through like, hey, how can we approach this better for the next time? And so one of the things that we've seen in a lot of different marriages, including our own, is that we kind of have these scripts that are really similar. And it's a cycle where we go through and we hit those same arguments and those same frustrations. And so how do we break those cycles? How do we, and sometimes that takes a conversation between the two of you to say, okay, we're going to create a new strategy because we keep hitting the wall every time with this same thing. Or maybe you need to see a professional counselor, maybe a pastor, somebody else who has a different perspective that you might get an aha moment. I know for my wife and I, like early on, uh, you know, I, I had struggled with pornography um, in my, uh, actually before puberty, there's sexual abuse that happened and there was a long, long story on, on some of that stuff, but, um, uh, there was, you know, a, a sexual trauma that happened early on. And so that doesn't go away when you get married because, oh, now, you know, as Christians, we had the freedom of having sex together and that's great, but there was still pain and trauma. And so I, first year of our marriage, ended up at, um, at a porn shop. I've never been to one, haven't been to one since, but walked in and I was like, oh, wow, this is a whole different world. And I, uh, about two minutes into that, just felt all this shame and like walked out. And then I had a decision to make, am I going to keep this secret from my wife or am I going to be honest with her and go, okay, this, this is what happened. And I'm not sure exactly why, like I thought when we got married, like this would be healed and this would be fixed and it wasn't. And so we ended up going to um, counseling and the counselor was able to point out like the, the sexual trauma, like there wasn't healing from it. There was more covering up. And so I worked through like the steps towards healing with that, with my wife. And we were able to move forward in our relationship and she was able to keep me accountable. I was able to get an accountability partner at that time to um, help me through um, you know, addiction and, and staying focused on the things that God's designed for my marriage. But that's not exactly what you were asking, but <laughs> there's a little bit on how we 
you know, over overcame and learned to communicate more effectively. Yeah. And I just want to bring up, you know, just the story you just shared, not, um, you know, not too far back in this interview, but just, um, you know, when you wanted to, your natural instinct would be to escape, you know, after a trick going wrong or something not working out the way you wanted to. And, you know, one thing that you had said was, you know, being around people and, you know, hearing the responses of how much that blessed them, you know, what you shared that sometimes we just fail and that's okay. We just keep going. But, you know, in relating that to, you know, you had a choice to make, you know, and you, you made that choice to be honest and open and to reach out to your wife, to reach out to others, you know, and it's just a reminder of that community that we need to keep each other strong and, you know, to encourage each other. It's so important. Um, so I just love how you shared um, the story, you know, about the, um, you know, the, the water tank, but also, um, you know, just speaking to your wife about it, that takes courage, you know, for all of us to admit to something like that. So, yeah, in your book, you kind of discuss three major topics, experiencing effective communication, overcoming impossible situations and thriving in your marriage. And, you know, that that effective communication is mm -hmm. what you just shared is an example yeah. of that, of having an effect going and saying, I, I messed up and then being able to share, communicate that in, in a way. And then your, your, your spouse being able to effectively communicate mm -hmm. forgiveness back to you in such a way yeah. that you don't carry that with you. I think you've been married 25 years, 25 years into your marriage that she's reminding you of that over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. Yeah. And regardless of where people are in their marriages, like you could start this at any time. We've seen, we, we were working with a couple and they've been married, I want to say like 34, 35 years. And there was something that came up early on and they just decided we're not talking about it. And so they hadn't talked about this thing in 30 years. Mm -hmm. And we encouraged them like, look, you guys have a strong marriage. There's tools that you have. Let's, let's, you know, um, approach this again. And they did. And there was such healing in that, that moment of going like, wow, we've learned how to give forgiveness in this area that, we we chose to just bury has now given us hope for for future stuff and one of the things that that i i i think we need to remember as like followers of christ is you know the first thing that adam and eve do is they go into hiding you know and as followers of christ we're to come out of hiding right and so part of our uh the the tendency in our marriage will will be to hide stuff because it's uh, it's painful to to be honest and open and transparent. But it's in that process that we'll experience healing. I know for for my wife and I, the the more transparent we've been, the the more healing we've experienced. Uh, not just in our own relationship, but in in the life of our friendships around us, as we've learned to be transparent there as well. Yeah, my wife knows that I, there's something I say a lot that, that transparency breeds or brings transparency. And I think when you're transparent yourself, it invites other people to be transparent as well. And, yeah. um, you know, as, and I, we see that as, as leaders too, that when a leader is transparent from a platform, it invites everyone that 
is basically underneath that leadership to be transparent in a way that most often you don't see. And so I love that being open and being honest and being essentially naked. I mean, you know, physically and emotionally with your, with your spouse and how that brings about, that can bring about so much healing and, and, um, and just intimacy and, and strength into a marriage. So if we had to, if we, if we had to narrow down a magical marriage, should you say a magician's guide to a magical marriage marriage, if we had to pull back the curtain, so to speak, the top one or two things to a, a magical marriage, what would you say those are? Wow, there's uh, there there's a lot. There's a reason it's not a two-page book. But <laughs> so one of the the things that we put into practice um, early on is where it says, "Do not let the sun go down on your anger." Is most of us don't wake up and we're like, "Ah, I'm so angry," right? Um, but it's um, the wisdom of the scriptures, right? Is it's as you go through the day and maybe the kids are going crazy or maybe that something happens at work or maybe you get into a car accident or maybe somebody cuts you off it um, on the way home from work and you're just, you know, you're frustrated and then you get home and you're trying to deal with things with your spouse and maybe you're not handling yourself well and then you're just like, ah, I'm just going to bed and then you go to bed. Well, the problem is, is that pattern is we will wake up and we haven't dealt with things from the day before. And so those carry on to the next day. And whether it's in, so in a, just a argument, right? We don't allow each other, like we talk about boundaries in our relationships all the time, is we don't allow the other person to bring up something that happened. Hey, five years ago, you did this. Three years ago, you did this. Is because we're trying to deal with everything today. And there are times where, you know, both of us, you know, be like, I want to bring up something from the past to help you understand, you know, how you're not treating me well this time, because it's a pattern over here. But as a whole, we try to like deal with everything. So that's one of the keys that I would say it's been huge for us is to really put into practice, um, not going to bed angry to work out the conflict that day. And so there's been times where we'll call up a, a pastor, you know, um, at 10 o'clock at night, like, Hey, can we come over? We need to work this out, you know? And they're like, sure. You know, and we, you know, we have um, a number of friends that we could do that with as well. And so we've done that. So the principle for us is like, we would rather be embarrassed and people go like, Oh, I can't believe they're fighting again over that and work things through than just um, hide in that whole transparency is just go like, Oh yeah, we have everything together when we don't, right. Is we want to, um, yeah, do what and so out of the counseling, this is another one for us is out of the counseling, that first year of marriage is I made a decision like out loud, wrote it down, told Kim, like, let's do whatever it takes to create a great marriage. Cause what we saw with that counseling is like, oh, wow, there's a bunch of stuff. We don't know. There's this guy. He knew some stuff. He was able to help us. And that was able to get us, move us forward. Um, and let's do whatever it takes to keep moving forward, to keep thriving. And yeah, so this, this will be the last one I give is in the, the last section of the book, you know, we talk about on um, the secrets to a thriving marriage. When you think about uh, like a, a magician, right? Or a comedian or a concert, right? You, you'll have like that ovation or that um, encore moment. 
Now, if you think about like the encore, I'll just take a, a concert. It, you know that those things are scripted and planned. You know, like it's, it, it's not happening by chance. And in our marriages, what's it look like to plan things in advance? And so one of the things that my wife and I do almost like, well, we, we do it on a daily, weekly, yearly basis is to, to have plans. Like this year, we want to take four nights where we get away for at least one night. And we'll probably do like a, a three or four day getaway, you know, that is just intentional for us. Uh, so what are those things that are going to bring those ovation moments in your marriage? How can you um, create those and plan on those? And so one of the things that we do on a weekly is just plan out the week together, talk about the week together and make sure we're on the same page moving forward. So we don't get caught, you know, like, oh, I wish you would have told me that was going on. I had no idea. And then it's frustrating or, you know, our expectations are let down, all those things. So, yeah. Amazing. So for those listeners that don't necessarily already have a magical marriage, uh, yeah. where, where can, where can they get this book? Where can, tell us where they can find this book now. You can find it at a, a bunch of local bookstores. You can find it at Barnes and Noble on their website on Amazon, obviously in christianbook.com is another one, but yeah, there's a, a lot of online resources that'll have it. I I'm sure if you look up, no, I can't make your wife disappear by Danny Ray. You'll, you'll find it. Yeah. It's funny. I was sharing with my wife about, um, about you being on the show as a guest and just kind of the name of the book. And she says, you know, I, I wouldn't mind if he made me disappear, maybe to a coffee shop for a little bit away from somewhere <laughs> silent away from our, our kids. That was, sounds great. Actually. We'll make that happen, Amanda. We'll make it happen. Good. <laughs> That's awesome. And uh, do you have any, do you have a Twitter? Do you have, how do people connect with you if they want to follow and learn more about you? Yeah, so DannyRayMagic.com is our website that has all the social, but Instagram is DannyRayMagic, Facebook, uh, um, TikTok, YouTube, DannyRayMagic. You can find it out there. Yeah, but they're all on the website. Awesome. awesome. So now here, could you show us an example of a, a, something you show you? I guess you have something prepared for us. Can you go ahead and, and share? Uh, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so let's, let's, you know what, let's do this. Uh, I'm, I'm going to mix up the, the cards, but I'm going to go to a different camera here for a second. We're going to go this way, turn this on. Uh, let's go that way. Can you still, yeah, uh, I'm still here, but like, I have a prediction right here. Let's, um, let's do this. I'm going to put a pen on top there, put this on top there. Okay, so that's my prediction right here. Okay. Okay. Now let's let's do this. Um, Dan, I, I'm gonna do this with you as I go through whenever you want, you tell me when to stop, and I'll stop right at that card. Okay. Okay. Stop. Okay. Um, Dan, we're gonna have to um, change this up a little bit for you. Um, instead of saying stop, think of a word. Think of a word. Do you have something? Don't say it, but do you have a word? Okay. Okay. So as I go through, instead of saying stop, say that word. Cancel. Cancel. All right. Um, can you see that card? Looks like it's the nine of hearts. Oh, wow. You're really helping me out there. Um, 
All right. Uh, here. Oh, um, I can't. <laughs> I no, thought you uh, could see it. Um, I, I'm not going to look at the, the faces. I'm going to, I'm just going to look at the, the backs to see if I can find your, your card here. I'm going to go with this card. I'm going to go with this one. Maybe you're lying to me. I don't know. Maybe it wasn't really the, the nine of hearts. Was it really the, the nine of hearts? Here, I'm going to show you, I'm going to show you that I knew that you would indeed take not the Jack of Diamonds, the Eight of Clubs, but you would take the Nine of Hearts. In fact, I was so certain that you would take the Nine of Hearts that I put a prediction right here. And I don't know if you can see my prediction or not, but it says then, oh, that looks like Hepatitis B, hold on, um, the Nine of Hearts. But wait, 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 I did have another prediction it says this, before word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O oh Lord, out of Psalm 139. <laughs> wow. All right. So there's a little bit there. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. That's awesome. Wow. And and can you, uh, I didn't quite hear, can you say the, the scripture that you shared? Can you share that one more time? Yeah. So it's Psalm 139. It says, um, before word is on my tongue you know it completely, oh Lord. So in other words, before we even think a word, right? Before we, um, you know, he knows all of our hopes, our fears, our dreams. Before we even think it, he's aware of it. Um, that next part says, if I go up to the heavens, you were there. If I make my bed in the depths below, you were there. If I go to the far side of the sea, you were there. Where can I flee from your presence? And the answer is nowhere. Um, he won't cancel you. He's for you. <laughs> so, yeah. So good. So one more quick question. What's next for you? Yeah, so it's been a, an interesting season with the, the book coming out and the Penn and Teller stuff coming out in, by God's grace, the country's opening up again. And so we're just praying that God will keep opening up the floodgates for events, for, you know, marriage conferences, youth conferences, opportunities to, to be able to speak and to be able to do the illusions and um, just really bring a lot of joy and hope into people's lives during a difficult season that we've been in. Yeah. Amen. So important in today's culture in our country to have hope, to have the word spoken, to be encouraged. And uh, yeah, it's so, and we love your message. We love how, what you're, you're, we know that marriage is so important to God and to have someone be able to communicate and encourage people in, in a way that is, is just so different. Um, it's amazing. And so thank you for being faithful. Thank you for taking the risk years ago, because we know we, you know, we're in ministry, we're in business as well. We know it's not always easy. And you said there's ups and downs and, and, um, so thank you for being faithful to what God has called, uh, you to live out you and your wife and your, your family. Thank you. So what an honor to have you on the show. Thank you so much. Yes, thank you. Thank you for having me on. It was definitely a blessing to be on. And yeah, love what you're doing and really thankful to be a part of it. Speak blessing over everything. Put your hands in the name of Jesus. 